Folks, welcome to the Jason Wright Show, Money Monday. Look, this is the episode dedicated to improving our finances, always in all ways. Part of our overall improvement has to be to be good stewards of our resources, and that's what Mondays are for on the Jason Wright Show. So with that in mind, let's go. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jason Wright Show Money Monday. I am so thrilled to have Katie Highlander, a financial coach, join us today. We have a great topic that I think is going to benefit every single person on the other end of this microphone. And just so you know, I have actually uh, asked Katie to be a regular fixture on the Jason Wright Show Money Monday, and she has very graciously agreed. So without further ado, Katie, welcome to the Jason Wright Show Money Monday. I am so glad you are here. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So as you know, the motto of the Jason Wright show is to improve always in all ways. And it, it really struck me. So you and I, we met uh, at the Dave Ramsey event when uh, yeah. we were out in Franklin, Tennessee with some fellow creators. And it was there that it really kind of occurred to me why in my because I touched on stewarding resources a little bit on the show, but I never really made it a, a true focal point. And there's two things that I think that people are really interested in. I know I am, and not that I've mastered either of these, but people are really interested in their financial health as well as their physical health. Well, the physical health, that's the closest thing I have to a hobby is trying to slow the aging process and be as healthy as I possibly can. But then I wanted to bring, after being, you know, in Dave, the Dave Ramsey kingdom for a little while, you know, the little right. hamlet that is Dave Ramseyville, I thought, you know, why am I not focusing more on this? And so I, uh, you know, I asked you to come on the show and share with us some of your vast knowledge. And so I think you got a really good topic for us today. So you tell me and this audience what it is as our coach that you have brought to the Jason Wright Show audience today. Yes. So today we're going to be talking about how to organize your money. A lot of people come to me and they are in one of two camps. Either they have one account for absolutely everything, or they have like 20 bank accounts. And what a great example is one of my clients, they came and I think that they had seven different checking accounts and about four different savings accounts. And the husband was like, Katie, I, when I want to go and buy like a pizza, I don't even know which one. And he fanned out all of the debit cards. He was like, I don't even know which card to use. And the wife was like, Oh, well it's this or it's this one. And, and she knew, but he didn't because it was so complicated. So either their finances are so complicated and they have so many buckets or plates of money, or they just have one. And so I try to kind of meld them together and really create a very simple three bank accounts to really work your money from a fourth if you want to get advanced. I love I love this idea because I tell you what, I am that guy that 
I thought I was doing the right thing whenever I started setting up a bunch of different accounts. It's like, yeah. I want to appropriate every single penny. It, it has to have its place. And in fact, I remember when I was younger, it really kind of freaked me out to have an un unaccounted for or a, a dollar or even a penny that didn't have yeah. a specific purpose. The idea of just yeah. having some money sitting in account in, an account. And so I overdid it. And I think what happens with our finances, I know it has for me, is that it becomes like just this financial mess. Like, like your closet gets, yeah. a, it gets messy, your car gets messy. If your bank accounts get messy, it can be really stressful. So one of the things that I'm excited about with this conversation we're about to have is, I think it's gonna be, bring people just like clearing your desk, cleaning your bathroom, getting your bed straightened up, getting your closet clean. I think yes. this will bring people a lot of peace. So tell me, tell right now, as we go through these three accounts, where do we start? Okay, so the very first account that you need to have is a checking account. And if you are married, this is a joint checking account. This account is going to have a ton of activity with it. It's going to be where all of your money is deposited into any income that you have. So side hustle, um, your career, if you get child support or social security, all of this money is going to be um, deposited into this account. And then from this account, all your expenses are paid out of it. And you transfer money to other savings accounts or retirement accounts, um, if that's where you are in your journey. All right. So about that, do you advise that people go ahead and have automatic automatic transfers from this account to whatever the other savings are or anything like that because i've noticed that one i'm a big set it and forget it guy i used yeah. to again going back and, and telling on myself i used to have this ego that was like unless i am directing the funds and by the way i know everything there is to know about money and <laughs> i'm so disciplined i will make that 250 dollars transfer every month on my own yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. And so what I've learned is that the set and forget it is one of the best ways to move that money from what, yeah. like what you're referring to is what I just call the operating account. I've always, yeah. if you look yeah. on my statements, it's even listed operating account. Yeah. And whenever I started making those automatic transfers and treating mm -hmm. my savings account that we'll get into mm -hmm. like yeah. one of my investment accounts, then yes. all of a sudden I was actually saving without actually having to think about it. And it just became a really disciplined practice for me. So is that something that you, that you would advise? Oh yeah, absolutely. And not only do I think that you should have automatic transfers set up, but I also think that you should have all of your bills automated. And initially when my clients come to me, they get really like freaked out about that because they're, they either say, Oh, I love paying my bills or they're fearful that like a bill is going to be bounced or they're not going to have enough funds in their account. And, but the thing is, is when you automate things, it makes sure that your bills are paid on time. If you have the funds in your account, which is a whole different topic, that's called a budget. We will probably get to that, right. <laughs> get to right. that eventually. Um, but also it takes this space from your mind out. Like it frees up some space in your mind because you're not having to remember or you're not having to think or you're not having to create time to say, okay, I have to sit down tonight because it is due by midnight. And that just layers on a whole different type of stress 
So I, I'm a huge fan of automation of your bills and of savings. And you know, it's also kind of interesting. I see people who have their credit cards and you know Netflix and all these lifestyle expenses are automated, but their mortgage is not. <laughs> and their gas bill or electricity or water bill is not. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, great for those big companies like Netflix and credit cards, right? They know what they're doing. They're making sure that their bills are gonna be automated and that they're gonna get paid. But for the person, it almost flips the priority of their expenses. They're holding off on paying their water, electric, or mortgage to make sure that they have enough money because their credit card payment is automated and automatically gets pulled out. And I'm like, no, they can wait. If you don't have money in your account, your mortgage, your electricity, your water, what I call the four walls, cannot wait. Those are what's most important. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of automating savings and your expenses as far as bills are concerned. Do you think, okay, so I guess most every study that I've ever looked at says it's something like 30, people will spend like 30% less whenever mm -hmm. they're paying with cash. And yeah. I think it's because you actually see the money yeah. coming out, it's leaving, it's, it's real, yeah. it's hard, it's yeah. tangible. Yeah. Um, I gotta believe too, you, you're probably, see, when, when you said the Netflix and all those accounts, one of the things that I've done in the past is all of those went to a credit card. Now, I'm, I never carry a balance on a credit card, and mm -hmm. that's definitely a topic we'll cover at some yeah. at some time about, you know, the, the trouble you get in with credit yeah. cards, even if you pay off the balances every month, because you, you will, yeah. it will make you spend more money. And right. I think this is the deal, too, that whenever you have it all pegged to that operating account then you watch it much more closely when you use your credit card because you're like if this bill runs up too high then that fear i have of being overdrawn yeah. is going could could become a reality so do you think that there is something about doing this that actually helps people spend less money yes i i do i think that um that if they if they know they're, if they've got their, let's just say mortgage automated to be automatically paid on the first, and they have the opportunity to go out the weekend before, and they're and they get paid, let's just say every every two weeks, so they get paid Friday. It's the weekend, just actually just like this exactly this past weekend. Okay, people got paid Friday. It's the weekend. It's like time to go out, celebrate. We don't have work this weekend. Tuesday, tomorrow is August 1st. Mortgage is due. They may second guess, okay, how are our expenses? What do our expenses look like between the time we got paid and the time we get paid next? Do we actually have the funds to go out on the town and spend all this money knowing that our mortgage and all these other expenses are going to be coming out later in this pay period. And not that I'm saying don't go have fun, absolutely go have fun, but let's be wise about if we're going to be spending money to go have fun or if we're going to have an at-home date night. My, my husband and I love doing those, put the kids to bed early and let's just go sit out on the back porch 
drink a glass of wine. Like that's nothing, right? right? Versus going out to a wine bar and then, you know, you go, oh, let's go have some sushi. And oh, you got to pay the babysitter because you can't bring kids to a wine bar, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it really does, it, it makes, it forces you to look at the whole picture and not just the weekend picture. I love that. You know, you just reminded me of one of my favorite movies that we just watched for the first episode. I, it's it's so hard to find good movies these days. I'm just yeah. like, I'm like, oh my goodness, am I about to be preached to or is this actually gonna be fun? And so I just go back to what I know. And yeah. so the other night I pulled out Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, I love that one. Oh, so good. If you remember, and I, w- I won't quote it, but uh, with, uh, you know, Reese Witherspoon walks up to one of her old high school friends and says, wow, you have a baby in a in bar. A bar. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's still, and you know, I won't finish that line, but yeah. you said, yeah, you don't bring a baby to a wine bar or a honky tonk. It's just bad etiquette. You just don't do yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway, so that, well, I couldn't help but think about that when you said that. Uh, you know, one of the things I used to do, and I, I haven't done it before, I want to ask you what you think about this. Um, I actually at one time, and I want to know, this is one of those things for, for people like me that are a little bit OCD about this and ended up with way too many accounts. And still, I have too many accounts. So after this, I mean, this is good for me because I'm going to narrow down some of these, mm-hmm. consolidate some of them and stop being yeah. like that. But one of the things I used to do to get cash because that's one of the things I think is really hard for people to, okay, so how much do I pull out? Uh, Because if all of my money is going to be deposited into this checking account and then routed accordingly, Mm -hmm. where does my cash come from? I like to carry some cash. Where does it come from? One of the things I started doing a while back, I don't do it now, is I would actually automate for my bank to pay me, to send me a check for whatever my cash budget was. Yeah, and I probably okay. paid a, a service fee to do it at my bank that I wasn't really paying attention to, but that's what I, and so I would literally have a check mailed to me from my account automatically, just like I was one of my, and it's still set up in my bill pay to myself, where I became like one of my creditors that received a payment and I would take that check and I would go cash it. And that's all the cash that I would have to spend for that two weeks or whatever. So is that a good idea? Or was I being a little silly or what do you think? No, that's exactly. So minus the check being mailed to you, this is what I do. This is exactly the advice that I give my clients to do. So there's really four big categories that people, people almost like across the board have trouble with as far as spending is concerned. So either they overspend on groceries because they're like, Oh, I like those brownies. Let's get some chips and queso. You know, they're just like cruising the aisles and they're just putting things in their cart that they don't need for the upcoming week, or they're eating out a ton. One of the activities and homeworks that I give my clients is to go back the last three months and highlight what have they, like how much money have they spent on eating out and like thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars that they spend each month. And they're like, Oh, that's where all my money is going to. I'm like, yeah, you're literally eating your money. (laughs) And then the third, um, third category, a lot of people overspend on, or maybe not overspend, but spend more than they want to, because we all have a choice, right? Um, is date nights. And then the fourth one is just fun 
guilt-free money. So I, every person in the relationship, so couples, both your husband, like husbands and wives should each have their own amount of money that they can spend guilt-free without having to ask the other one permission, if that makes sense. Um, so that they can spend things or spend money on things that bring them joy. So those four categories, I like to encourage my clients to cash out, literally go to the ATM, like add up how much money you're wanting to spend that week or maybe every two weeks, depending on you know when you get paid um, and go cash it out. And then you can put little paper clips to divide them out, right? Like this amount of money, like $300 for groceries, um, hundred bucks each for our guilt-free fun money. Um, we're gonna spend a hundred dollars on date night this month, or maybe even $50 or free, whatever. Um, and that way it is a visual reminder of how much money you have left to spend and how much money you have already spent so that you're not tempted to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to, you know, spend X amount and I'm just going to swipe my, swipe my card. I'll go back and add up, you know, how much I've spent over this past paycheck. And then you've overspent on the category. So yeah, I, I personally, every Thursday, I go to the ATM because that's my running errands day and I pull cash out for all four of those categories. I think that's such a great idea. And it's one of the things I actually talked about it the, on this, the Money Monday that ran uh, this morning is because I was talking about delayed gratification. Yeah. And, you know, you and you talked about something that I think is what people don't realize. So many people will say, I can't afford this or I can't afford that. And it might be like mm -hmm. some nice thing. They would really like to have this thing. Yeah. And they probably could. They're just spending it on little things, those little impulse buys that you don't pay attention to. And when they yeah. start to add up and then like you go into the ATM and I, it goes back to what I said earlier that I learned I that, you know, Jimlin and I, we are cash and carry type people. We, you know, mm -hmm. credit cards are for travel and that sort of thing. But, you know, we really like to pay cash because you will second guess yourself if you see that that C note go away for, you know, the third time we're eating out this week. You're like, wait a minute. And, and, and so that's, I think that's, that's very good advice. And then also something that you mentioned that I think is just absolutely critical that what all of this lends itself to is just minimizing your numbers of account, your number of accounts and mm -hmm. knowing that when you have that cash, you go out one, there's a sense of freedom knowing that, no, it's okay. Yeah. I, I, this money is for, whatever I'm about to blow it on. Now I have the choice to go ahead and forego this third cafe latte of the, the week, whatever, you know, because I want to have a really nice dinner uh, later yeah. on in the week. But you also, you, you just, it, I think it removes this cognitive load of one stressing out over, will there be money left over? No, you know, you, this is money for that. And two, I think that just knowing that you, you that like, again, all the money is accounted for. I love okay. that. I'll just repeat myself. There's so many things we can do in life and the way we structure it to relieve some of that cognitive load. And I think what you're talking about today goes a long way toward doing that very thing. And I'm the type of guy that I don't want to waste my time worrying, yeah. stressing, and thinking about things like this. I want to just simplify as much as possible. And I think that that's really something that you're hitting on here. Yeah. And I, you know, going back to your delayed gratification comment, um, 
and, and people saying, oh, I, you know, I can't afford that. I really challenge people when they use very polarizing language like I can't or always or never. Listen, you have the choice on how you want to spend your money. And you may be choosing to spend it in the way that you currently are, but then don't say, well, I can't afford it. Well, what sacrifices are you willing to make if that's very important to you, right? And then, or the whole delayed gratification, perfect example, I just bought a, on the other side of my camera right here, is a one-year-old couch that I bought off of Facebook Marketplace. And it was a great buy, um, but my office has been lacking a couch for about a year. And I had my eyes set on this one couch from West Elm. I love West Elm. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that, okay, well, I'm just going to be saving up over time, but I'm okay with the space being empty because I don't want to go into debt for that. It's not worth it to me. So I'm also going to choose to not buy all these other kind of like trinket things for my business because it's important to have a couch in my office. I'm choosing to do that. So, I think yeah, that makes just, a lot. I think that makes so much sense. And by the way, one time I just wrote about this or did a podcast on or something. I can't remember. I know I mentioned it to, to, to my audience that whenever I first moved to Tyler and bought my first company and I didn't have a, I didn't have a penny to my name really. I mean, I had an, I had enough to leverage myself into my first business. And so I bought this business that had, that also had an office building that was just, it needed a lot of updating. And then I bought a home here in Tyler that needed a lot of updating. And it was, and I was 28 and I just, you know, again, leveraged to the hilt. And I did for the first and only time ever took advantage of one of those uh, 12 month, no interest deals to buy some furniture. Yeah. And I remember the thing that, and this is what I would tell this audience. You got to remember if you do that, you don't own your freaking couch. Like if Katie, if you did that, you don't own that couch. No, in my case, Wells Fargo finance owned my couch. They were just letting me use it. And the first time I didn't pay, they would, they would let me know real quick who owned the couch. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, I felt like such a loser. And so if I paid that thing off as fast as I could, and, and, and that's the thing I think that people get confused on when they don't have the things that we're talking about, like, which is kind of a cash and carry or at a minimum, mm-hmm. have an operating account with appropriated funds for these different yeah. things that that's and then the cash is just to do whatever you specifically designate it for. Then mm-hmm. you might get in a situation where yeah, you've got stuff, but you don't really own it. You're just, you're, mm-hmm. you, you were loaned money and, and you want to figure out who, who really owns it. Yeah, just try to, uh, I tell you what, go go burn the couch and see if and you'll still be paying for it because it ain't your couch yet. It wasn't your couch to burn. You still owe some money. So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, all right, so let's go. And unless we've got anything else on this first, like, what again, what I refer to as my operating account. Yeah. What's the next account that we need to make sure that we have locked down? All right, so the next account that you need to have is your emergency savings. So this is, if you're... If you're a fan of Dave Ramsey and you're using his seven baby steps, um, unless if you are in debt, you need a thousand dollars in here. Um, if you are out of debt, except your home, you need three to six months of your expenses in there. And this is literally to use on emergencies. 
Friday night pizza is not an emergency. <laughs> and so, you know, think about like what an emergency is, right? Because a set of new tires, that's not an emergency. You know that that expense is coming up. A flat tire, on the other hand, is, right? And so you really have to determine, okay, is this an emergency? Chip tooth? Yes. Broken arm? Yes. Dishwasher goes out. I am a mom of three with a husband. That is an emergency to me, okay? <laughs> but Friday night pizza, the couch that you've been eyeing that's now on sale, that those are not emergencies. I think that's very important to remember. And the, the tire thing is something that I have not always been good at, Katie. So a lot of people, and let me ask you how, how, how you handle this. So some people listening to this, they'll say, well, I can't pay cash for a car. So what I'm about to say, they'll, I, I, I get it. I understand it. And I, and I empathize with you. Although if you, you, you what the, the real caveat is you can't afford the car you want. Most like most everyone listening to this podcast can a can't afford a car. You just yeah. don't want to drive a hoopty. You know, you're, right. you're worried about, you know, you're living in the matrix and you're afraid to drive a hoopty. And I, yeah. and I get it, whatever. But one of the things I want you to talk to this audience about with this emergency fund, Mm-hmm. Whenever you, because you talk about buying tires, and I actually used that specific example not too long ago when I was talking about an emergency fund, because my dad owned a tire store when I was growing up, and nobody goes to the tire store in a good mood. They don't just, they do not do that unless there's yeah. some kid that's saved up and he's buying some wide tires <laughs> back in the day when I was young, they buy the street slicks or whatever. So the tires cost more than the car. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The tires and rims will absolutely cost more than the car. So do you, whenever you are appropriating your, I know this is more budget, not about accounts, but I think it's important Mm -hmm. when you buy a car and you think that it's just the car payment, let's say this is somebody that's going to finance their car. Mm-hmm. It's not just the car payment and one of those big ones. And you can even look, you can look at the tires on the model of car that you have and know mm-hmm. based on how many miles you drive, how many miles that tire usually gets on average, when you're going to have to spend and tires are not cheap these days. So how do you budget for just real quick emergency yeah. versus non-emergency? How do you budget for those automotive expenses, for example, how, what all considerations should you be taking whenever you're budgeting for the car? Yeah. So I really, um, encourage my clients to be looking at least three to four months ahead, if not, maybe even six months ahead. Um, because a set of tires could cost you anywhere from like $800 on almost the cheapest end to about $1,500. And so how much money or how much money do you need for the tires that are on your car? And when does that need to happen? Okay, is that gonna need to happen in October? Or is that gonna need to happen next April? Um, or even next July? Because if it's if you've just bought your tires, you don't need to be saving up over the next two, three years for a new set of tires, right? Like that's just, gonna, you're just gonna be transferring $10 every, every paycheck over. Like that's just, that that doesn't need to happen. But in the next six months, do you need a new set of tires? And if so, let's back out when that date is going to be to where you are now and how much money you need. And so say like, it's going to be, I don't know, 
$800 and it's four months away. That means the next four months, you need to save $200 a month for that purchase. And can we just talk a little bit about all these purchases that we know are going to be coming up in life? Yeah. Uh, I just went through it with, uh, and I still, to this day, I just, I thank God for the revelation and the, I mean, I haven't done everything right in my life, in my financial life. I have not done everything right. But man, just having two daughters graduate from college and they were expensive colleges and they get to go out to the world now, debt-free, no student yeah. loans. What a I thank God that I started saving for their mm -hmm. college education. Mm -hmm. Just kind of talk to the listener about the difference between having to go buy that set of tires with mm -hmm. no money appropriated versus just how how good it feels to be able to roll up. I mean, just there's a there's a neurochemical reaction of whenever you roll up and you go, yep, I'm here to buy my tires. And by the way, here's the cash. Let me stroke you a check. You know, just just talk a little bit about some of these things that we're talking about. Just the peace of mind that people, you know, going harkening back to Dave Ramsey on accident there. You know, that's how this all started. Yeah. But just the kind of what happens neurochemically and emotionally when you actually take these steps to have the money when you need it. Just talk to the listener about how important that is and how some of your clients have seen that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll just give you a personal example. So I would say seven, eight years ago, that was Spencer and me. That was us. We would not you know, save up for these big purchases. And then we need a new set of tires. And then we're like, Oh my goodness, we need to clear off some money off of our credit card to be able to pay for that purchase. And it put a stress, so much stress that we didn't even realize at the time. Cause we just thought that that's how life was. That's what you do as an adult, you know, being adult sucks, <laughs> but it really doesn't. And now we save up and we either give them our debit card or write a check or whatever. And when you leave the tire store, it's done. It's not this financial like situation that you're now in and you're like, Oh my goodness, I can't add on that payment to our monthly budget. We're already stretched to the max. It, you just walk out and it's done and you've got a new set of tires and you can drive off carefree versus having to drive off. And now you're having to look in the rear view mirror of your expenses and say, how am I going to be able to cover that? I love that. And, and just, it is, it's just, it, it really is literally life-changing. I know the word literally oh, yeah. is the most overused word in the English language these days, but it really is life-changing yeah. whenever you can give yourself that kind of peace. And then, and where does the thousand dollars come in? I don't even know where Dave came up with a thousand dollars. Where, where, where's the thousand dollars come from? So what that is, and he came up with that, oh my goodness, I mean, probably a couple decades ago, because yeah. one of one of the biggest things that people say is thousand dollars isn't, you know, what it was back in 1990. And you're right. It's not. But the thing is, is you're trying to create a hedge between you and life's unexpected things. And because you need to have some sort of money saved up for when the unexpected, when that rainy day comes, when that tire pops and you've got to get a brand new one tire you have the ability to pay cash for it and not go back into debt. So, 
you know, if, if a thousand dollars isn't enough for you, maybe 1500, but I really don't push anybody to go beyond 1500 because it does make you a little jittery that you don't have a big net to fall back on. Okay. That is supposed to be a driver into getting you debt free faster. And I think that's one of the things that's really important that we talk about real quick is that all of these practices, that is ultimately the goal to just live yeah. with true financial freedom. And you don't, mm -hmm. this idea that you have to be super wealthy to be debt free, it depends on how you determine wealth. I mean, having that peace yeah. of mind to me is incredible wealth in and of itself. It's just, of a, mm -hmm. it's just not monetary. It, it's just, it's yeah. just something different. Um, now, one of the things I want to ask you about, and maybe this is something that we need to consider. Maybe we don't. The checking yeah. I know is just kind of basic as low fee possible checking as we can get yeah. on the emergency savings. Should I be doing like a money market account that allows me to write five checks, uh, a year or something without penalty, or do I even worry about that? If I, if I can't, if, and cause those usually require about a thousand bucks or 500 bucks to open, or mm -hmm. should I even really worry about that? Just get the separate account. Yeah. So if your bank offers a high yield savings account that the thousand dollars would meet the requirement as the initial deposit. Yeah, go ahead. This is an account that is supposed to be insurance. It's not supposed to be making you money. It's not supposed to be fancy. You aren't going to be putting it, you know, in the S and P 500 where it can make more could also lose less, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you do have to look at the high yield savings accounts, um, minimum deposit because some of them only require $500. Some of them require $10,000. So if you meet the minimum deposit, yeah, I say, go ahead, put it in a high yield savings account because really it's just going to sit there. And then unless we've got something else we need to cover on emergencies, I want to get to this next one because it fits right in with what I talked about today on uh, the, the show that I aired today, which is the big purchase savings. I think it's, it's weird when we're little kids, we're, I mean, most of us are used to having to save up money for something. Our parents make mm -hmm. us save up to buy stuff. Yeah. You, know, you have to save your money. But then as adults, we kind of lose track of the fact that, it's okay to want and have nice things. It's not okay to put yourself in a financial compromising situation to have those nice things. So talk a little bit about the big purchase savings that is our third account we're going to talk about. Yeah. So the third account is your big purchase savings. And this is where you are going to be saving for the known upcoming things. You know that you need a new set of tires. You want a new couch. You want a new refrigerator. You want to go on a vacation. These are things that you cannot pay with just one paycheck. Okay. You could probably cover the kids new shoes for back to school and one paycheck. You can probably cover the back to school supplies within one paycheck, but plane tickets, uh, new furniture, new set of tires, things like that, that are bigger ticket items, big purchases, hence the name. <laughs> you want to incrementally save for those and set those aside. Even like kids, um, my youngest goes to a little preschool Mother's Day out four days a week. We incrementally save for that tuition 
over the whole previous year so that we can get a 10% discount on his tuition by paying it up front the whole year in advance. I think that's one of the things I don't think people take advantage of enough that they don't really even consider is that people love having the whole amount paid up front. We used to do the same thing with um, our girls going to Pine Cove, which is where they went to camp every summer, is mm -hmm. we knew when we showed up to pick mm -hmm. them up, they were going to yeah. say, hey, by the way, you can save. I don't remember. It was, it was significant. I mean, it was like yeah. uh, five, oh, 500 bucks or something. If you maybe even a thousand, I don't remember how much it was significant. If you mm -hmm. go ahead and register them today and pay for mm -hmm. it. And so it was just kind of this thing. We were in a lot. And you can also this whole cash and carry idea. A lot of people don't realize, especially if they've never negotiated at all. Uh, yeah. Great example. I just had, and it's so cool, Katie. I just had my garage turned into my dream gym. I've wanted to do this for so long. I bought the PRX system. So I've got the wall mounted uh, squat rack. And squat I have, rack. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it is just unbelievable. It is so cool. I mean, you could eat off my garage floor. It's so freaking clean. But the thing is, I had to get it painted and I had to have the, the high epoxy. It's got the little pebble looking stuff. You know? uh, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's sweet, sister. It is awesome. Well, next and, time I'm in Texas, I'm going to come work out with you. Come on, to bring <laughs> it on, you know, because that's definitely part of the improve always and always lifestyle. So you got it, but you know, you got to be physically fit. But one of the things, you know, my um, my painter, who's a great guy, does great work. I told him, you know, he, he quoted me a price. Mm -hmm. And I said, now, I'll tell you what, why don't, if I pay you cash, mm -hmm. will you accept this amount? Katie, it was a $1,000 Delta, $1,000. And he said, well, you do push a lot of business my way. And, you know, yeah, I really, you know, and y'all, y'all, we do a lot of work for you. So, yeah, I can do that. A thousand dollars because I had the cash saved and appropriated and was able to go, you're getting cold, hard cash. Mm -hmm. It just makes a difference. And so I think a lot of these principles, what, what we're talking about here by appropriating all the funds for these things, I think it, it, it just makes so much sense. And then also, you know what I love about the, the one that you talk about right here, the big purchase savings? Yeah. A lot of people that save up for the big thing, at least this is this is anecdotal, this is how it affects me. And I don't think I'm all that unique. Once you get that big cash, say, let's say it's $5,000. I use the example in my podcast of a Rolex Submariner that you can get on the gray market right now for about 10 grand. So if I saved up 10. would love to have one of those. Well, you, you know what I did? I, so I, I'm a watch guy from way back. Yeah. And my wife is so mad at me because whenever I just went through this, this phase of like, it's just a thing. I don't need things. I, I sold all my other watches. The last one to go was my Rolex Submariner. And so it was, and, and it was right whenever watches were just going crazy here during yeah. COVID. I mean, especially Rolex was just going through the roof. And yeah. I had had it for years. It was one of the first really big purchases I made, bought it secondhand. And so I didn't pay a ton for it, but I sold it. And, and now I would like to have another one, but here's the problem. And it's a good problem to have. Yeah. If I were to just start putting aside the money and get the 10 grand saved up, it's hard to part with. You really consider for a moment, oh, yeah. how bad do I want that thing? And I, I equated it to this. A lot of people, when they hear their preacher talk about tithing, 
What do they yeah. say? Well, I can't afford to tithe. I'm living off every penny. And they're making $30,000, $40,000 a year. So we're talking $3,000 or 4000 bucks. And they think, well, whenever I'm making a lot of money, then I will tithe. To which you got to ask the question, do you really think if you were making half a million dollars, it would be easier for you to give $50,000 away versus the 4000 or 5000 because you're making forty or fifty k? Absolutely not. It's because all of a sudden when we see that money increase, it gets harder to part with. So one of the things I love about the big purchase savings, the tires, the, some, some big purchases, we know yeah. we're going to have to have. We know we're going to have a water right. heater go out, right? We yeah. know we're going to have that air conditioner go out. Right. But if it's for like just a like a luxury purchase, like my Submariner, yeah. you really start to realize, well, gosh, I kind of like watching this money pile up. Do it. Yeah. it just makes it so much harder. And you may not even buy the thing. So it's a great way yeah. to just possibly just save a lot of money. Right. And and just to slow things down. Yes. To just pause and really consider, okay, not a desk. I've got this pile of money and the watch right there. Am I, which one am I going to pick? Which one do I want to bring home? Because it's okay to have nice things. And if you want that and that's your value and, and that's what creates like this rich life for you. And when I talk about a rich life, I'm not talking about like swimming and, you know, twenties or hundreds in a bathtub. Like, but if, <laughs> Hey, if that's your like dream, like, you know, more power to you. Right. But like, when I talk about a rich life, I talk about really, when you talk about a rich piece of cheesecake. I love food. I mean, it's like, oh, it satiates you. It sticks to your, like the inside of your stomach and it's just satisfying. Mm -hmm. So what is your rich life? If that includes a watch, you have the choice to spend money on that. If it includes just having it grow in your bank account so that you can maybe bless somebody else with it or start tithing or be able to pass it down to, you know, further generations, or maybe instead you just want to go on a vacation. You want to enjoy it in a different way. You have those options and you have those choices. And I think that's the, the key to all of this. Whenever you start to take control of your finances, then you have more choices. I, I just, I mean, there's no, and there's nothing like being able to shop for cars and have choices. You know, they, and and you know, depending on how much you saved up, those again, you might have your choice of hoopties, but at yeah. least you know you're not going to go into debt. And yeah. and this is one of those things too that I, I've all, I've just discovered that cars that are paid for just seem to run a little better, even when they break. They feel they they run better because I yeah. would much rather have. I was talking to a young person here recently. And a lot of people don't think about this, that she was wanting to get a new car and the one she was driving was paid for and it looked mm -hmm. fine. And for, yeah. and the, the, whenever I go speak to, um, I, I used to go to the career passport deal at Stephen F. Austin State University, which is kind of like graduating seniors. And I would talk yeah. to them. And one of the things I would sit there and I would preach about for, I mean, it wasn't just a lecture and I was preaching and I would say, look, here's the deal. No one expects any of you to be rich right now. No one, ex they all, everyone expects you to be poor. You just graduated from school. Yeah. So take advantage of the fact that right now it is socially acceptable for you to not have a nice car. You don't have to have a nice watch. You don't have to have Ferragamo shoes. No, no one expects that of you. So don't, so delay that 
yeah. if you ever get into that at all, but just at least delay it until you can have those things with no financial compromising. And that's, that's what so many, and this girl I was talking to, I was like, you know, you realize that for two months of your car payments, that's a new, that's going to fix almost anything that breaks on this car and a year's worth of car payments would buy a new engine for this car. I mean, if you, if it were, let's think about our worst case scenarios, the engine blows up and you have to replace it. I've had that yeah. happen before. Cost me 2,500 bucks to have a new engine and it was an older car, but it, 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 that if you put it in those terms, $2,300 amortize that over 10 years versus paying $2,300 in payments. Of course, you're not going to be able to pay anything $2,300 these days, right. you know, 230 bucks a month for a car, whatever that comes out to. But people don't think about it like that. It's like, you know, do you know if you're, if you've mentally decided I can afford a six or $700 a month car payment, that mm-hmm. car would have to burn. You'd have to, so I'd have to burn the dang thing mm-hmm. before you would you would ever have a problem. Most likely, that'd be big enough you couldn't solve with a few hundred bucks. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I you know, and I especially us Americans, the car we drive seems to be such a symbol of where we fall, like on the importance list, mm-hmm. right? And Again, going back to Spencer and my story, we when we found when we found Dave, <laughs> um, we had bought, not bought, built a Mini Cooper that looked exactly like the Mini Cooper in the Italian job. That was my dream car. They didn't have it on the lot, and so what did we do? We decided to build it because we could afford the monthly payment. And then we got Spencer a new truck and we were spending over a thousand dollars a month. No, I think it was over $1,500 a month in car payments. It's a house payment. It is. It is. Absolutely. And we paid stupid tax and ended up selling them and selling my mini for a loss. And, or was it, I don't know. One of them was sold for a loss and we ended up having to get a personal, a very small personal loan to cover it so that we could pay cash for a different truck. We bought my dad's truck for 2000 bucks. It had, we, when we finally let it go, it had over 300,000 miles on it, Wow! but it was still running. I just saw it the other, maybe a few months ago in the parking lot at the local grocery store. I saw my dad's truck and I think about the van that I drive. I never thought I would be a mom that drove a van, but here I am. And it's I love work. a money. Is it a minivan? <laughs> yes, you, yeah. Okay. Cause yeah. if you got one of the big good time conversion vans and you're legend, but if you, but yeah, even at a minivan, see, I was threatening Jimlin for a while for me. I wanted a blacked out minivan. And yeah. I still, to th- I think, I think they're fantastic. When you reach the point in life where you, you're, when you, when you start, when you reach the point in life where comfort and convenience means more than all the other stuff. Oh, sister, oh, yeah. I will. I'm all about a sweet minivan. Yeah. Because so my parents live in Houston, which is eight hours from where we are. Spencer's parents live in Florida. That's a 14 hour road trip because we don't want, we are choosing not to spend money on flights there. So we are choosing to drive instead, which means 
we've got three kids. They each need their own space because we don't want to hear arguing. Like if it's a, you know, three seater just in the back seat. Um, but that minivan, it's got over a hundred thousand miles on it. We bought it used. But the thing is, is I've got an eight, six and four year old. They are going to tear up any vehicle that I put them in. And because that is our travel vehicle, the mileage alone is going to tear up that vehicle. So why spend a ton of money on a new car when it's just going to be torn up when they're grown and gone, then yeah, maybe I might spend a little bit more then, but cars to me again, are not that important. That's not my rich life. That's not what I value other people. Absolutely. And if that is your value, then spend money on that, but cut back in other places. I will say I can relate to your Mini Cooper story. As a matter of fact, I am watching right now a 1982 FJ Land Cruiser, the old, okay. I mean, the old little bush vehicles. Like, I mean, and right now it's it's not that the price isn't that high. I'm sure it's going to be, it's been completely redone. And I'm telling you I, this, it doesn't matter how good you get at this stuff. I still get tested because, uh, but I will say this, you know, Jim Lynn and I, as a matter of fact, right now I just sold, um, I sold what I was driving, which I, I found a, a, a Jeep that was pretty old and was, you know, it was blacked out and it was, it looked like, you know, I mean, for the mean streets of Tyler, Texas, you know, all paved. I really needed this, this four wheel drive lifted up. Jeep. It. Oh, hey, <laughs> had to have it. Yeah. Um, but I justified it because I paid cash for it and it was, and whatever. Anyway, got rid of that. We, you know, we have one car right now because I take Jimlin to our store. You know, we have a retail business here in town. Take her to our store every morning, pick her up every afternoon. We love the fact that we're, that we are blessed enough to be able to do that. And I'm just kind of sitting and watching to see what I want to get next. And I'm telling you, and, and, we, and again, Jimlin and I are the type, we're fortunate in that. We're either three miles from home, meaning we're up at Hot Tots at our store, or we're yeah. 3,000 miles from home. And the beautiful yeah. thing about that is we can pretty much have one car that's nice, reliable. You know, you want to be able to, you want to have that peace of mind too. Yeah. And then the other one can be kind of for fun. And so, yeah. you know, she's totally, she's on board. If I, if I were to buy my little FJ or whatever, of course it's a standard. So I have to teach her how to drive a standard. I love standards. There's so much. That's what I learned on. <laughs> yeah. Same here. I, same here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a country boy. We had, we had to learn on a, a standard. That was just the way it went. And while we're on this topic, cause you have this as the fourth, the advanced, uh, the advanced fund that everybody needs to have because I think this is a big one. There's two things people just really, especially with their neophytes in this whole money game, they just can't fathom stroking a check for a house or a car. And most likely of the two, you're going to be able to stroke the check or pay out, pay cash for a car before the house. So talk a little bit about getting to the point where you can actually pay a car off the, the first day you own it. Oh man. So that's, that was back when we were babies and starting this journey, that was something that we couldn't even fathom. Like that was just so out of reach, not even attainable. Like we would hear people say that and we're like, Oh, it must be nice to be able to earn all that money to be able to pay cash for a vehicle. But it is so empowering again to not have that monthly payment. I mean, I think that the, Average monthly payment is anywhere between seven and nine hundred dollars a month. I've got a couple spending almost two two thousand dollars a month on their vehicles, um, but it's 
it's going to take a hit on your pride if that's where you are right now in selling those vehicles to be able to then have that money. You no longer are paying $2,000 a month for a car. And even if you were to just drop your payment down to a thousand, now you've got an extra thousand that you can start setting aside for a new vehicle. And just again, you know, when a vehicle comes up to 50,000 miles or a hundred thousand miles, I, I hear people say, Oh, at a hundred thousand miles, you got to get a new car. If it's running, no, you don't, you don't have to get a new car. Again, that is polarizing language. You don't have to get a new car just because it hits 100,000 miles. You are choosing to get a new car. And if you have a car that's running and you don't have quite that amount yet, then just sit tight and continue to save. And if you want it quicker, then what sacrifices are you willing to make to be able to get that quicker? But a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's easy. I can just sign the dotted line and, you know, we'll have the, the car with a loan, right? And that's just, again, it, that is something that takes time to come to a realization that you can do that. You can just write the check and drive off the lot and it's yours. You don't have a payment in the world. You know, and that's the thing too. I think that, I don't know how many people I know that I, this has never happened for me. And I, I went through, I was a guy that would, when I first graduated from undergrad, I would drive the crappiest cars you could imagine. I didn't care. They were paid for. I just I refused to have a car payment. Yeah. Then whenever I bought my own business, I ended up for some reason, I, I, I talked to uh, our mutual friend, Juan, whenever I had him, yeah. Savage, whenever yeah, I had him I on the program. Yeah. I, I said, you know, I used the a freaking Hummer. You probably heard the story as, as a tax write-off. I mean, I used all the stupid <laughs> justifications for this moronic purchase. Yeah. And yeah. so I went through my spell. Oh, yeah. So, so, you know. And so I went through this phase where I thought I had to have the thing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm not pure as the driven snow on this. But when you realize that it's just a thing to get from point A to point B. And as long as it's reliable, and then once you get it paid for, you, you it just starts to feel good until you're like, well, and here's the thing too. Oh, this is actually the point I was going to make. I've never been happy after when I went through my phase of buying new cars and cool cars, the Hummer and the trucks and whatever, you know, uh, three, four months in, never liked it as much as I did when I, when I wanted it. That's a yeah. thing too. And this, this whole delayed gratification, you know, we want the, we have the biggest dopamine hit yeah. when we Before. want something, right. When we want something and then right when we're about to get it. And then it's almost like that 25% or 30% hit you take when you drive the car off the lot, the dopamine recedes the exact same way. The dopamine yeah. goes from, from you know, 10 to zero in a very short period of time. But when the dopamine's gone, the payments are still there. They yeah. still keep coming. And it's really, and then when you can have it, when you can at least set yourself up for long, long-term dopamine hits, get into a car that it might not be perfect. It might not be the one you want, but when it's paid yeah. for and you're looking at the, your bank account. Yeah. That's, yeah. that, that's a, that's a better dopamine inducer. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Seeing your money grow. And you know, that's a, another warning that I have is a lot of people think, oh, well, when I make X amount, then I'll be able to fill in the blank. Or, you know, once I get this raise, I'll be able to fill in the blank. Most of my clients make as a household over $200,000 and they're in the red every month before they come to me. And the, what I see is as your, as you graduate college and you get your first big girl job, big boy job, your lifestyle increases at the same pace as your income increases. Mm -hmm. And so instead of stopping, pausing the whole delayed gratification and just saving up and really thinking through and making wise purchases, um, that's the way to go. That's what you got to do to be able to not end up in a place where you want to give and you can't, or that all of a sudden your tire blew out and you don't even have $400 on your credit card or in your bank account to be able to cover that flat tire. So you, how do you save for just practically speaking, tactically, how do you save up and pay cash for a new car? How does that go? So we, at least our, the way I teach my clients and Spencer and I, it's almost like an alternating, like, Spencer just got a new car. So I will probably get one in the next maybe five years or so. And so how much do I want to spend in five years on my vehicle? Okay, well, let's start setting that money aside. And if there's a repair that needs to happen before then, we can use some of that money. It's almost like a big car fund, not necessarily to only pay for a new vehicle, but as maintenance things, Um, or things break, you can use some of that. Um, But yeah, just, I mean, save up over time, five years, and then you will have enough to pay for a car. And also just think about what type of car, because if you're just like, oh, I'm just gonna save up, and then all of a sudden you get to five years and you didn't save enough, then you're going to be tempted into getting a loan. No, think it, think it through and then really stick to the amount that you have in your bank account. And then once I pay cash for my car, it's done, right? I mean, or should I have this account always engaged to where I'm getting ready for the next one? Always engaged. And that is an automatic transfer. That is a line in your budget that it's just automatically transferred. You're not touching it. So, I mean, unless, you know, you need a maintenance repair or something, but really the idea is to not touch it maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, but over five years, how much is that going to grow to? Yeah, That's going to be an amazing car, depending on how much you're setting aside a month. Very good. Very good. Well, Katie, I think this was all incredible advice. So, you know, for those, those of you listening, we're talking about 
basically you need that, what I call the operating account. You need a checking account. This is where the bills are paid. Everything's appropriate. It's where your, your, your fund money, you just decide how much that is. And I love your idea. I actually mentioned that on this episode, the delayed gratification, go to the ATM, pull the cash out. I love that Katie, the emergency savings, a thousand bucks, get it as quick as you can. That way you, you don't get caught off guard with the flat. And by the way, don't consider a new set of tires in emergency. They're not that that's going to happen. You're going to need new tires, especially because after this episode, people are going to be driving their cars for a whole lot longer. You know, so, okay. right. You know, <laughs> God willing. And then the big purchase savings, there's a couple of benefits to that. One, you save up, you have the money when you need the new sofa. You And then also it gives you that opportunity for what I call the cooling off account is what I call this. The big, yeah. the big, the big purchases. And also I talk about it being a cure for the impulse buys instead of buying the impulse buy, have an account like this where you're saving up and you, instead of making the impulse purchase, put it in the cool off account and then and appropriate it towards that bigger purchase. And then also this can, like we talked about, this can actually make it towards even tougher to buy the big purchase you wanted and you got the money for because if you save that cash up, like you said, you got the watch, you got the pile of cash, you get to really make a, a really cool decision at that point. That's a fun decision oh, yeah. to make, right? Yeah, and then, absolutely. And then lastly, we talked about um, the car fund. Make it mm -hmm. automatic. Get get the account set. Decide what kind of car you want. How much are you, budget before the car even comes? We're going to spend fifty grand, forty grand, whatever it is on a car. How much does that cost? How many years can we reasonably put that as a line item in the budget? Save up mm -hmm. for it. Go stroke a check for that car, and uh, you'll feel a lot better for doing so. I mean, absolutely. Katie, I think that you nailed it. Now, but now I know you're going to be coming back on, but I want you to let everyone here know how they can find you if they want to work with you. How do they connect with you? You are a financial coach. I think that, and by the way, a lot of people, you know, when I was younger, I told you my ego would not allow me to ever think about hiring someone like you. I was just, no, oh, yeah. I, I know everything. Well, you know, I've come to the, the older I get, and especially because I do uh, personal development coaching myself. I'm like, you know, if Fortune 500 CEOs, they have coaches. Tom Brady had a coach, a personal coach, and uh, actually uh, Patrick Mahomes, who is from right here, well, in White House, but Tyler, Texas, a, a buddy of mine, Bobby Stroop, is his personal strength and agility coach. Even the best of the best realize yeah. they need a coach and a guide. So I think that's why, why what you do is so important. So how can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me at katiehighlander.com. That is K-A-T-Y. H-Y-L-A-N-D-E-R.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Katie Highlander. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Katie. I really appreciate it. Look forward to having you back on. And do you, do you already have our next topic for the next time you come on? I think so. I don't have it pulled up though. Okay. That's all right. Well, <laughs> hey, it will be. Hey, and if any of your audience has something that they want to want us to talk about, Send it in. I love it. I love it. Yes. And you can do that, folks, by going to Jason right now. Hit the contact page. Go to uh, texttitans.blog where all the podcasts are with the, with the show notes. You can just connect with me through there. You can DM me on Insta at Jason right now. Or you can, and it's the same thing. Actually, it's Jason Wright TX on Twitter. Uh, you know, reach out and, yeah, let us know. And, uh, I mean, you you literally, you've got free coaching on the Jason Wright Show yep. thanks to, to Katie. And so this has been fun, Katie. I'm going to do a quick sign off and then and sit tight. I'll say goodbye to you after I shut this down. Bye. All right. 
Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to the Jason Wright Show today. Money Monday with Katie Highlander. Thank you, Katie, for coming on. And remember, folks, no matter who you are, what stage of life, it's never too late. It's never too early to improve always and always. I want to be a part of that journey. And I'm so grateful for you listening to the show. Thanks so much. I'm out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget, download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, the Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve. Always in all ways. I'm out.